Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. It's been no secret to folks in the Mon Valley that where we were once blessed with a variety of weekly and daily newspapers, including the Daily News, where our radio studio is now located. We are down to a relative handful. A lot of communities around the country have become news deserts. Journalism has been struggling for a while. Uh, just not down the river uh, at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, there has been a long simmering dispute between workers and the owner of the paper that uh, a few months ago uh, erupted into a strike. The Post-Gazette unions uh, have walked out and have been very vocal in what they call uh, poor working conditions and a lack of negotiations from the newspaper's owners. What does that mean for the future of journalism in Pittsburgh? Uh, Why should we be concerned? And what are the issues at stake in the Post-Gazette strike? On the line with us this morning is Zach Tanner. He is an interactive news designer at the Post-Gazette, and he's president of the Newspaper Guild of Pittsburgh. Good morning, Zach. Morning. Thanks for having me. Well, well, thank you for taking some time to talk. There are multiple unions on strike against the Post-Gazette right now. This is not a, a single union taking action. Who are the labor units that are on strike right now? Yeah, so uh, back at the beginning of October, uh, the production and distribution and advertising unions uh, went on strike over some health care issues. Uh, those are uh, mailers, typographers, pressmen, and teamsters that went out. Um, they were in bargaining with the company over some healthcare issues. Uh, they were on a third-party plan that actually the newspaper guild used to be on as well. Um, and that, that plan, the cost of it was increasing, right? Like this is healthcare in America. The costs yeah. go up. Uh, the company, the Post-Gazette, had declined to pay contractually obligated rate increases to that plan. And the third-party plan dropped those workers, uh, the company refused to bargain in good faith with them. They were trying to force them onto a company plan that would see much higher premiums, much higher deductible costs, uh, really just a pay cut for a lot of these workers. And, and they went on strike at the beginning of October. Um, side by side with that, the Newspaper Guild uh, that represents the journalists and designers, photographers in the newsroom, copy editors, you know, everybody who works in the newsroom is represented by the Newspaper Guild. Um, we've been in bargaining with the Post-Gazette since 2017. Uh, the company's been bargaining in bad faith with us. Uh, they haven't been coming to the table and talking about their proposals. They've been forcing wage uh, cuts on us. Uh, that same more expensive health care plan that they wanted to put on the other workers, they forced it onto us back in 2020. Uh, so we were fighting some battles at the National Labor Relations Board, uh, which had moved a complaint forward. And that hearing ended on October 12th. On October 17th, we took our own strike authorization vote that passed, and we walked out on strike on October 18th. So since October 18th, all five unions that represent workers at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette have been on strike, uh, which is like a little bit of the background about how everybody got out. Uh, jump back for a minute, because you said the, the company has been arguing uh, in, or negotiating in bad faith, and there is a federal mediator involved. There has been a complaint filed with the federal government. So this is not just you saying this, but when you say bad faith, what do you mean by that? Good faith bargaining requires that like two sides come to the table with like their proposals, with what they want. 
uh, and they talk about it. You know, uh, we, it's always kind of joked about in labor that like, you know, like the first proposal that you pass across the table is basically like your wish list. You know, like if we get everything we want in our first proposal, we'll, like, we'll be like the happiest workers on the block. Okay. Uh, but when the company gave us their first proposal back in 2017, uh, they signaled right away that they were pretty unwilling to move on almost any of these issues. And that proved true. Uh, you know, from 2017 up until 2020, they made very few changes to their proposal. And actually, not only did they make very few changes to proposals, uh, those changes that they did make would never include any benefit for the workers in the newspaper guild. There might be some stuff that they like, but they said, okay, you know, we'll give you like the, con- the existing contract language back on that. Or we'll like move down from our proposal a little bit to make it like a little more palatable, a little less worse. But never once did they look at our proposals and say, oh, you know what? Sure. You know, you want like a, a wage increase, we'll give it to you. You know, you want cheaper health care, like let's talk about that. It was always like their way or the highway with like very little willingness to talk about any of like this like serious issues on the table, which made that first contract offer from 2017 and like their quote unquote final offer in 2020 uh, very, very similar. And like that's kind of what bad faith bargaining looks like, right? Like the unwillingness to talk and the unwillingness to move off your positions and the unwillingness to give a benefit to the other side, like at all. Uh, We're talking this morning with Zach Tanner. He is president of the Newspaper Guild of Pittsburgh. Uh, He is a a journalist at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, who is currently one of the journalists, one of five unions altogether, or six unions altogether, uh, that are on strike against... Five. five, That are on strike against the company. Uh, That strike began uh, October 6th um, with the production workers and then included the journalists about two weeks later. So we are now in, what, the second month of this uh, labor impasse and of this strike. Um, Is there a website that people can go to to get more information about your side, Zach? When the strike commenced on the Newspaper Guild side, we spun up our own strike publication. Uh, It serves two purposes. Uh, Purpose number one is reporting on the strike, uh, reporting on bargaining, reporting on picket lines, things like that. And its other purpose is for the Post-Gazette reporters and journalists to just keep doing our jobs. Uh, And that website is the Pittsburgh Union Progress, uh, you can find that at unionprogress.com, uh, and you'll find there's a strike news section there. There's a community news section there. Like community news section, like I said, includes all of just our regular reporting that we do would be doing at the Post Gazette if they wanted us at work right now, which they clearly do not. Uh, and all, the strike news section has all that strike update stuff there too. So we put daily updates up, and whenever there's a bargaining session or any kind of like monumental strike news, we put it up there too. So unionprogress.com is where you can find all that info. Let me jump backwards in history because. It- if you've lived in, in Pittsburgh all your life, as I have, you remember when uh, there were two competing downtown-based Pittsburgh newspapers. There was the Pittsburgh Press, which was an afternoon paper, and the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, which was the morning paper. The Pittsburgh Press printed the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, but they were under separate, separate ownerships. Exactly 30 years ago, uh, those papers went on strike over an issue on production and delivery, and the end result of it was that the Pittsburgh Press went out of business. Um What's let's cut to the chase. What are the chances that the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette here just goes out of business like the Pittsburgh Press did 30 years ago? There's always a chance that a business could go out of, out of business, right? Like the paper could, could always close. The Block family could always decide to close the paper. I think like a big difference, though, between the, the Pittsburgh Press strike and this strike here in 2022 is that Scripps Howard, who owned the Pittsburgh Press, was looking to get out of the newspaper business. They were selling newspapers across the country. So the strike commencing and then dragging on and on and on led to the Scripps Howard selling the press to the Post-Gazette. The press was the much bigger paper, for folks that remember. Like, the smaller Post-Gazette 
bought the Pittsburgh Press. And I think as we sit here in 2022, I don't think there's much appetite for the Post-Gazette to close. I don't think there's much reason for it to close. Uh, you know, I think like newspapers across the country have been struggling since like the internet came on and uh, the advertising rates are lower and classified rates are lower and moving just to the internet entirely. But the Post-Gazette is like a community asset that's been in Pittsburgh for 230-some years. And I don't think that this strike is going to change that at all. I think the Post-Gazette's going to be here for 40, 50, 60, 100 more years. And part of the reason that we're fighting right now is to make sure that it is and to make sure that the absolute best journalists in the area work there. Let me play devil's advocate, too, because when we talk of newspapers, there is that printed newspaper that, that comes out uh, in, in, in Pittsburgh a few days a week and in some of the suburban towns maybe come, still comes out seven days a week. But we're also talking of a increasingly robust digital and online component, correct? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's no secret that the Post-Gazette has printed less and less days over the years, and now it's really like a two-day-a-week publication that's delivered to folks. Um, digital has taken over. You know, like we have our e-edition online, we have postgazette.com, uh, and so we still do our work and produce content seven days a week. Uh, so postgazette.com is always updated. Uh, it's always producing news for folks, and I mean, it's. I think it's just like such an important community asset. Uh, I'd, I'd like it to still print seven days a week, but even with it not doing that, I think it's still like a tremendous digital asset for the for the region. Let's pause right there uh, for a 30-second break. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes on Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, and Tube City Online Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at Striffler's.com or call 4 one two six seven eight six one nine one. Welcome back. Our guest is Zach Tanner. He is president of the Newspaper Guild of Pittsburgh. We are talking about the union's position in the current strike against the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the dominant daily newspaper and website uh, in the Pittsburgh area. Five unions now on strike against the Post-Gazette, mainly over uh, health care issues. And Zach, is it true that journalists at the Post-Gazette have not had a raise in their contract in was it 17 years is that what i heard last time that everybody consecutively or everybody concurrently at the pg in the newspaper guild got a raise was january 1st 2006 that's a long time it's a long time to go without a wage increase that is a lot that's, uh, that's predating, the, predating the pandemic predating the uh the the, the great recession so-called um and does that mean there have been cost of living increases? Have, have there been any increases? No, there have been no cost of living increases, no inflation increases, no health care increase adjustments or anything like that. No, like the wages have been stagnant or lower since 2006. Let, let me ask a question that gets thrown at people anytime they go out on strike. And I, as I mentioned before the break, I've seen it on Twitter every time any of the Post-Gazette striking journalists that I follow have, have posted about the, the, the labor impasse. You know, people will comment. If you don't like it, get a job someplace else. If you don't like it, go work someplace else. It's a free country. Um, why is I, I, I know a number of Post-Gazette journalists who have left uh, the Post-Gazette, actually, uh, over the last few years. W- why 
is it important for the bargaining units to stay and, and fight for what they view as a more fair contract? The argument of go get another job is one that kind of like I, it really irritates me. And I mean, like, it's funny that you mentioned it because the most re- recent person to say that was uh, the wife of Alan Block, who's the chairman and CEO. I of saw Block the video. Yeah, I saw the video online. Yeah. She, yeah, she made it very clear that they weren't interested in giving wage increases and that people who didn't like that should go get other jobs. But like, isn't that like. Doesn't that prove counter to the reason that folks are in journalism? You know, like people are in journalism to inform their communities, uh, to to shine light on government, uh, to to report on all the great things that happen around the region. And if you don't have like the best people doing that, the paper is going to suffer, the community is going to suffer, the readers are going to suffer. And for us to go on strike to fight over wage increases and fight over a better health care plan and fight over our, you know, build jurisdiction over those things it's really critical because we don't want the post gazette to just be a newspaper or website that just exists and publishes some news we want the absolute best journalists in the region and across the country to come here and work at the post gazette and we want that to be a thing that is guaranteed to happen for decades to come uh you know like right at the top of the banner of the post gazette it says one of america's great newspapers and we want that to be true we want the best journalists here and the only way for that to happen is to have strong union contracts that protect wages and healthcare benefits and all kinds of other non-economic things as well. So getting another job, not only is it really sometimes not an option because like it's not like the job market is flowing with jobs right now anyway, it's something that like this group of people, this group of journalists doesn't want to do. We want to be here at the Post-Gazette doing our best work. We're, we're talking with Zach Tanner. He's president of the Newspaper Guild of Pittsburgh. We're talking about the ongoing uh, strike against the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Both sides going back to the bargaining table uh, on December 6th. Um, the big sticking point, as Zach has been explaining, has been uh, the health insurance plan that workers are on, but also uh, lack of raises uh, since uh, 2006 for many of the workers in the bargaining unit. We, we know, that, though, that journalism is struggling. It's we've something we've talked about on, on this program in, in, in other episodes with journalists both locally and around the country. I, I guess an, another argument that I often hear is that, well, reporters shouldn't be getting into this line of work for the money, that, that journalism is a calling and you shouldn't be so worried about the money. I know I've certainly had bosses throw that at me, right? That, that you know, you, sh- you should be happy to be working in journalism at all. Uh, what's your response to that? Well, I think that's like a really exploitative way of looking at it. And you're right, like that is something that the bosses throw around, right? You don't hear a lot of the workers saying that. <laughs> um, Imagine saying that to anyone else. Imagine like, that saying to someone in a, in a steel mill, well, you should be lucky working in a steel mill at all, or, so, or someone working on a, on a railroad. We just heard a train go past. You know, you should be working, you, you want to work for a railroad, you should be happy to work for a railroad at all. You're right, exactly. Like, I, I think that's like absurdism at its best. Um, no, I mean, like, I think, like, one thing to categorize there, too, is that, like, we're not at the table asking for, like, you know, like, six-figure salaries or, like, you know, being able to, like, have, like, these, like, moonshot bonuses or something. Sure, that'd be great if the Block family is listening and wants to give those to us. Like, sign me up. Like, we'll take them. But we're asking for, like, very, like, moderate, like, inflation uh, adjustments, like, you know, cost of living raises, like you mentioned earlier. We're asking for, like, fairly, fairly reasonable things. And, yeah, journalism is struggling. But when we've been at the bargaining table... And we've asked the company, is the business financially unable to give us wage increases or financially unable to keep us on the health care plan that, 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 that we've been on? Their answer every single time is, no, we're financially able to. We just don't want to. They've literally said that to us at the bargaining table. And while the Post-Gazette 
might not like print money like it used to, but let's be very clear that newspapers used to be money printing operations mm-hmm. for their owners yeah. back before back before the internet and back before like frankly like you know cable TV took over too. Um, uh, the, the the parent company Block Communications that owns the paper and was built off of the newspapers that the Block family owned. They are still profitable to the tune of between fifty and one hundred and fifty million dollars per year. And they they uh, also it should, it should be that, mentioned that they also they also own the dominant cable TV provider in northern Ohio, and they own a, a couple of TV stations. I think maybe even some radio stations, as well as the Toledo Blade mm-hmm. newspaper. So most of their interests now are in uh, broadcast and, and cable and internet. Correct. You know, I think like the qualifier there is that like they wouldn't own any of that if the Post Gazette and the Toledo Blade hadn't made them a lot of money in previous decades. And, you know, I think it's kind of like you look and look around and go like, okay, yeah, like the Post-Gazette isn't making a ton of money. Like they're, they're losing a couple million dollars on the Post-Gazette. But to ask a company that makes like, you know, almost nine figures of profit per year, maybe more than that some years, to kind of prop up the newspaper that built their company and just give some workers like some very modest wage increases and some fair treatment and a say in their workplace. A say in their workplace doesn't cost them anything. I think that's a pretty reasonable ask from us. Let, let, let me again, and, and we're we're coming up on another break. But let me ask another question, though. Would someone ask Ford Motor Company or Nabisco if one of their products was losing money? We we saw during the the Great Recession, General Motors eliminated several entire car lines: Pontiac, Oldsmobile, Saturn just completely eliminated because they were losing money. Um, the devil's advocate position would be. What what is the what is the reason why should the Post Gazette? You, you mentioned that it helped build the company, but what is the line in Hollywood? What have you done for me lately? Um, what, 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 if it's so important to keep the Post Gazette in business? Let, let me ask: Should workers be wanting to give back money? Well, you know, I'll make a note that, like, especially on the production distribution side of, like, with the Teamsters, the Pressmen, the Mailers, uh, and the Guild included. Uh, we've given the company back like tens of millions of dollars in contract concessions over the years since like the Great Recession, since the mid 2000s. Those concessions have happened. Uh, when the company was losing more money, the unions went and agreed to contracts that had major concessions, the major economic concessions. That's how the healthcare costs started to inflate. That's how the wages were stagnant since 2006. Uh, there, there was like, like I said, like a wage diversion in place to pay for our previous healthcare plan that then the company made permanent and still put us on a more expensive plan. So those concessions have been made. And now as we sit here in 2022, we're just asking for like, you know, some of that back. And I don't, I don't think that's a very crazy thing to ask for. Let, let's pause right there. And when we come back, I want to ask um, what the public can do to inform themselves about the issues here, what the public can do to support the bargaining units, and what you see as a pathway out of the current impasse, if that's possible, okay? Yeah, that sounds good. Zach Tanner is president of the Newspaper Guild of Pittsburgh. He is an interactive uh, media journalist at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Five unions of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette currently on strike against the newspaper have been since the beginning of October. Next bargaining session is set for December 6th. If you'd like to read the union's uh, newspaper that is reporting, on the strike, unionprogress.com. And they're also reporting on some other uh, other things. They're also trying to keep the flame of journalism lit at unionprogress.com. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, and we'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. This is a Tube City Almanac, Tube City Online community event announcement. 
Katie Cares presents the third annual Ham Giveaway, taking place on December 17th at the Veterans Park on the corner of 2nd and Grant in Duquesne. Photos with Santa and his friends start at 12 p.m. along with free hams and turkeys. Come enjoy hot chocolate, s'mores from the fire pit, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches, and music. Also, don't forget about your chance to win $1,000. Call 412-206-1488 for your chance to win. It's something you've alluded to because I, I've had people, I've seen this question brought up online is the some people have referred to the Post-Gazette's new owners. Well, the new owners are doing this. And... It's not new owners. It is the same family that has owned the paper since 1927, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, and I think if, and I think John Robinson Block, who's the publisher of the Post-Gazette, you know, he's been the publisher of the Post-Gazette since like the mid-2000s, like the mid-aughts. So he, he, he's not new. He's been around here for a while. No. I think like – I think sometimes when you refer to like when, when, when readers or folks online refer to like the new owners, uh, John and his brother, Alan, who's the chairman CEO of the parent company, they took like a like a right wing turn back in like 2015, 2016 around the Trump uh, presidency and the Trump campaign. And like there was such a drastic change in tone from them and such a drastic change in tone to how they treated their workers it's like the community went well there must be new people involved but it's the same people they just took a they took a turn far far right the 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 the, the your editor-in-chief or executive editor were replaced the editorial page editor was replaced a, a lot of the top managers at the paper were replaced if i remember correctly that's also the time period when um uh the longtime uh pulitzer winning editorial cartoonist rob rogers uh was was let go from the paper a lot of people, I'm sure, remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that all happened in the context of like 2019 and like early 2020 through summer 2020. Uh, those folks, have, they, they came and went. They've all been replaced now, too. Uh, and that's kind of one of the things that made the strike like a little more difficult. Like the people that are in there now are doing great journalism again. Uh, we've made like some tremendous hires at the Post-Gazette lately. Like the, the Post-Gazette was on an upswing from that kind of like dark era of like 2017 through 2020. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that the worker battle doesn't continue. That doesn't mean that we're still not fighting for races. It just means that like the the, the tension, that like that, that, that bad energy that was there for several years had kind of fallen by the wayside and was kind of on a positive uptick again. But yeah, it was tough there for a couple of years. Those editors, Keith Burris and Karen Kane, who were the executive editor and managing editor at the paper, and Burris also ran the opinion section. They ran, it, it was a really difficult place to work for a couple of years because of them. We've all probably, or many of us have probably seen the video now of uh, the, the, the some of the managers, uh, was, it, was it Alan Block that was, was confronted at, the, uh, at a turnpike rest stop uh, uh, and his wife. It was. We've, we've read some of the comments that have been made by the the Block family about the newsroom, about the reporters. Um, I, I, I believe uh, referred to it as a far, you know, a bunch of far left radicals or something that are that are in his newspaper. So there there have been some harsh words uh, from the owners towards the workers. Um, the workers, obviously, too, have have been hurting. So there have been harsh words back. Is is there a way out of this impasse? I don't want to sound like we all need to join hands and sing folk songs, but is is there a way to to, to heal this division? You're going back to the bargaining table, de- December sixth. What needs to happen? No, I think there's absolutely a way to heal the division. Um, you know, like I said earlier, we're not asking for the world here. We're asking for wage increases and like a fair health care plan. Um, and to have just like basic union security rates enshrined in our contract, um, you know, coming to the table on December 6th and dealing with us and the other striking unions on our health care plans 
making those palatable and less expensive and honoring the rates that we had bargained back in 2017. Uh, that's step one, you know, uh, treating the workers fairly and agreeing to some wage increases that would keep up with inflation and the cost of living. That's another step to doing that. And just committing to treating workers fairly, uh, co committing to signing a collective bargaining agreement and stopping this like anti-union, anti-worker nonsense that they've been embarked on for a couple of years now, that would go miles, that would go light years towards solving the tensions here and making the Post-Gazette a great place to work again. That's what I've been saying all along when we've been striking. Like, we're not striking because like being on strike and standing on a sidewalk in the cold is a ton of fun. We're striking to like ensure that the post because that's a great place to work for decades to come, and that it's always here for the community. One of the things that the union has has asked folks to do is to boycott advertising from the paper and to cancel their subscriptions during the strike. Is there any concern that that is going to irreparably harm the newspaper even further? You know, the Block family says that the newspaper is losing money. Um, canceling subscriptions and canceling advertising is certainly not going to bring more revenue in. These are moves that we certainly don't take lightly. Okay. And these are moves that like we didn't come out with on day one of the strike. Uh, we, you know, we hoped that walking out the door and withholding our labor was going to be enough to get them back to the and table. And there was a by, there was a what was called uh, a byline strike too for a while, right? Where where the union journalists mm -hmm. were withholding their names, um, and that had started months and months ago so there the, the strike was not the first action that was taken like it's, it's been an escalating series of actions to try to get them to listen to us and they haven't been uh so you know we finally had to take a look in our mirror and take a look around and go like okay if they're not going to listen to us while we withhold our labor they're not going to listen to us while we kind of you know throw throw a, a rally in front of john robinson block's house in shady side and make a bunch of noise well we're going to have to hit them in the pocketbook and you know, is is there is there fear that that would harm the Post Gazette in the future? Yeah, there is. But you know, you have to kind of like do like a weighted calculus on like, okay, like is this risk worth it to try to get them back to the table and and, and ensure that the workers are going to be treated fairly? And you know, we went, yes, they are. And in fact, we've had pledges for folks that say like, okay, I'm gonna I'm pledging to unsubscribe from the Post Gazette now. But I'm pledging to resubscribe when the strike's over. You know, we're not asking people to, to not subscribe forever and ever and just completely drop the Post Gazette. We're making it very clear that, like, we want to go back to work at the Post Gazette and we want to go back to work at a strong Post Gazette. So we're asking people to unsubscribe for now. And, you know, we have some email networks set up that we can ask you to resubscribe to it again once the strike's over. What, what other steps can the, can the public take? P people who are used to getting their digital Post Gazette or their uh, printed copy two or three days a week, uh, what are other steps that, that people can take to, to – to try, uh, especially if they're on the worker side, uh, what can they do? We're still doing all of our reporting on unionprogress.com, both strike news and our community reporting that we always do. We're covering our beats. There's high school football coverage in there. It's great. Like the Union Progress has been an awesome publication while we've been on strike. Um, on unionprogress.com, you can find there's a donate button. There's like a support button. Um, you can sign up for like what we'll call like a quote unquote subscription to the Union Progress. Uh, and that, that subscription money is going to our strike relief fund which goes directly to the workers and their families who are on strike who might encounter like a, a bill or a hardship or anything so people don't have to like deplete their savings accounts. Uh, so you can donate to our strike relief fund, either a one-time donation or a recurring donation on unionprogress.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the Union Progress and uh, that'll keep you up to date with everything that we have going on. You know, that'll add you to our mailing list. And like the, that'll put some money in the pockets of the strikers who are withholding their labor and not being paid during the strike. Let, let me throw we, – we're out of time, but let me throw a curveball at you. Uh, we have seen mm -hmm. over the last few years – you're a digital journalist at the Post-Gazette. 
we have seen a number of digital media uh, organizations, websites, in essentially, uh, organized with labor unions. We also saw recently the two big public radio stations in Pittsburgh, WESA and WYEP, have just voted to join unions. What do you? Th- why do you think that is? Why is this there? This resurgence in the media sector, especially in the digital media sector, of interests in in labor activity and organizing. Like it's not even just the media, though, right? Like like labor union support is at a decades long high, and I think like. We mentioned the Great Recession in 2008, and we, and we know that like the cost of things are going up, inflation's up. I think, like frankly, workers in a lot of industries, media included, because salaries in the media have always been kind of low. They've always been kind of like again exploitative in nature. I think there's a lot of looking around and looking in the mirror from from media workers and workers everywhere, and going, you know what? Like if we don't stand together and hold each other up. These businesses are never going to do it. These business owners are never going to do it. So we're going to stand up and we're going to join the News Guild. We're going to join SAG-AFTRA. We're going to join the USW. And we're going to stand up and fight to make sure that like our voices are being heard and that we have a say in our workplace. We've been talking today to Zach Tanner. He's president of the Newspaper Guild of Pittsburgh. You can find out more uh, about the ongoing strike uh, against the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette at unionprogress.com. The next negotiating session is set for December 6th. Zach, thank you for taking some time to talk with us this morning. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And thank you all for listening this morning to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.